Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Jed Brewer. Hello! With us all the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, is Lee Younger. I don't know if I can match that enthusiasm, man. Dude, I'm just glad to be here, man. I'm glad to be anywhere. That's well, cryptic. Yeah. Jed likes to start <laughs> off the show with equal, <laughs> equal amounts of enthusiasm and dark undertone. <laughs> These men are nihilists, Donnie. They don't believe in anything. <laughs> nihilists. Glad at his existence. That's the energy that yeah. Jed Brewer is bringing. Absolutely. Don't ask questions what brought him to that point. It's just where we are. <laughs> yeah. Fair. And this week on this show, as ever, we're not only offering questions like, what, did Jed have a near-death experience before we started recording? What, <laughs> what accounts for this gratitude? But we're answering some of your fine questions. We were back in the saddle. Uh, we were off last week. Um, and uh, if that was an inconvenience to you, we do apologize, but we've recorded like almost 600 of these. So there's no way you yeah. remember all of them. Just go pick an old one. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so we, we do have some great questions. We have some hands all the way. And some ways you can touch this. But first, we must declare a satanic emergency. A satanic <laughs> emergency. <laughs> I just heard double bass in my that's brain. Right. That's, that's oh, how yeah. Baptist I am. Immediately, <laughs> you say the word Satan. I think of, I hear a double bass pedal. <laughs> Fair. Uh, that tracks. That tracks. What do you need that second kick pedal for? So that your hooves can play them? We don't care for that. <laughs> here. It's like it's like when SpongeBob says to Patrick, your genius is showing, except Lee, your Baptist is showing. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, there was a time in this in this fine nation where People are so insane about this stuff that like bands like Kiss were able to kick off a satanic panic because people <laughs> looked at that like, oh, no, the serious darkness of it all. It will corrupt the youth. Matt, you know that Kiss stands for Knights and Satan's Service. I don't, I don't think it does. <laughs> My, well, well, it could. It, well, that's true. I mean, they are. Thank you. Apology accepted. <laughs> glittery face paint and four-inch platform heels. <laughs> the, the, the Dark Lord likes to put on a show, okay? <laughs> what is What are the dark arts if not showmanship? <laughs> There's so many good reasons to dislike Kiss. The music they put out. The people they are. You didn't have to go to the, the satanic side of things there. But we, are, we are talking in this particular case of modern panic not about music not about the rock and roll we're talking about oreos what what somebody and i believe uh jed found this image somewhere on the internet like of someone who has broken down all the symbolism on the wafer of the oreo cookie and broken oh down gosh. how it's evil <laughs> well okay. look I-, I will say this they, they, Oreos are evil in the sense that I've never only had one of them. And Fair. my, my self-discipline breaks down as soon as the taste buds are enacted. So maybe. Now that would be a better case. If you were going to say, if you're going to start off with Oreos are evil, cause I was going to say everything, but church is evil. But for a lot of these people, Everything, including church, if it's not the exact church you go to and you're happy with all the things that happened, is of the fruits of the devil. And um, <laughs> if you're going to make a case to figure out why reverse engineering, why Oreos are evil, it, it you know, it, it, it weakens the heart of man against temptation. Maybe. Yeah, I'll go with you on that. Um, but that is not the course that these people have taken. They have chose the kind of. uh I guess it would be symbology as opposed to numerology because there's no numbers on the thing. But sure. they have decided that, so if you picture an Oreo cookie, or if you have one, um, you know, there's uh, some symbols kind of printed around it, just little X's uh, against a, a square background, which they have uh, dubbed Freemason symbols, I think just because they're right angles. Sure, why not? You know, like the, the <laughs> compass, the Mason compass, which I guess... They've compared the the fact that it's a circle with symbols on it to the zodiac wheel, <laughs> which feels like okay. a promotion that Oreo should be leaning into. Like astrology is pretty big amongst a certain younger demographic. I think you know, get the Libra pack of Oreos. There's 
that could, that's actual <laughs> marketing. And then they decided that if you think again, if you think an Oreo cookie in the middle is the word Oreo with like a circle around it. And there's kind of what basically looks like a little antenna on top of it, which they have dubbed yeah. the satanic cross. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not a thing I've ever seen before in any of these other weird things. So I'm not entirely sure they're not making this up. I, to be honest, like, I think the symbol they're identifying is actually an ancient Christian symbol. Like, I don't, I'm pretty sure that actually comes from the church. I thought that symbol, when I first saw it on the, on the top of the word Oreo, was the, uh, the antenna on top of the phone booth from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, dude, party on. Be excellent to each other. I mean, that, that has certain, you know, I guess it's not the devil, but death getting angry and flipping over the chessboard. That's something. Well, they, I mean, you know, <laughs> they say there's an infinity symbol, which there just isn't. It's the word Oreo. They say double, they explain the satanic cross, double cross with Oreo symbol that indicates a recycle. They have O dash re re dash O remaining. We live in Satan's world for meaning. We live in Satan's world for eternity. Which I don't think right. is like a Satanist thing. <laughs> like the eternity <laughs> thing's kind of you guys. I'll tell you what, they are eternally delicious. Well, they certainly are. This has the quality of one of my favorite bits of online nonsense, which is I don't know if this is real or not. Like, I know the claims are not real, but like, I don't know if someone actually made this. Yeah. Like, sincerely or if this is like a prank and i would give equal odds to either option and that is in a sense its own kind of delightful <laughs> like in a world where i we had not seen the video of the lady very earnestly breaking down why the monster energy symbol is satanic because ancient hebrew numerals and all that and all the q and on stuff we've seen like there's a time not really all that long ago where i looked at this and said oh Someone making a jest, poking fun at the paranoid way some people see the world. And now, yeah, I just just can't be sure this isn't real. And that is, that's an uncomfortable place to be. <laughs> it would be cool to just inflate this into like a crazy summer blockbuster about how the, like Satan was actually using the Oreos to take over, you know, the 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 spiritual realm and and then thus the world yeah. sure god's not and dead seven made, snack attack <laughs> you made me think of this when you said in a world it just made me think of like the trailer the movie trailer voice oh but yeah this would be an that would be an amazing summer blockbuster well you know speaking of such voices i was thinking because we referenced you know numerology versus uh symbology and like we haven't heard from numerology Jed for a while. No. Wow. Um, and, and I wonder like, could we bust out symbology Jed? And I've, <laughs> I've, pu I've pulled up just the Oreo.com website and I'm, I'm just looking at their FAQ, but I'm wondering if I do it in the numerology Jed voice, will it make it sound um, sinister and oh. suspicious? So let me, let me see what I can do here. Only one way to find out. Some items will incur additional charges to guarantee perfect arrival. That's pretty sinister. Like they're gonna yes. they're gonna charge you more money, dude. That's that but wait, it gets even worse. To minimize any damages, please select expedited shipping now that's, they're just piling on man that's it, it started with a cash grab and then it got worse from there these people are thieves if nothing else thieves men maybe satanists too good, good legal cover there maybe satanists we can't say for sure <laughs> and one more one more our heat-resistant packaging is only good for up to 48 hours. Dude, How did that just screams the fires of hell. Right? Wh where did you get your heat-resistant packaging from? Did you get it from the Dark Lord? Is it sculpted <laughs> out of sulfur? Is that where this is coming from? <laughs> oh, gosh.
I'm in the our history section of the Oreo.com website, which is a thing that exists for reasons beyond <laughs> the can of man. Okay. And uh, the first thing is 1912. An Oreo cookie is born. The very first Oreo cookie is produced in the Chelsea market in Manhattan. <laughs> it's a place that votes differently than I might. Therefore, it is inherently evil. Yeah. The second yeah. one is Oreo begins to teach pe- people how to, quote, twist, lick, and dunk. Which sounds just salacious enough that I think certain people could read that as satanic. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, the thing I'm wondering about on all this. Oh, one of them is in 1974. Uh, they introduced the double stuff Oreo doubling down on evil, I assume. Absolutely. I want to go back to, to Lee's movie idea for a second because I think it is genius. Also, I think it's an interesting next level in um, kind of branded content. Because I like the idea of making a move, a full-length narrative movie about how a cookie that looks exactly like Oreo is evil, but it's sponsored by Nestle. <laughs> I'm kind of openly accusing Oreo of being satanic. But as we ponder the reasons people may make this up, this brings us back to a theory I think we posited on the last show with the uh, the and one we one thing I didn't also notice on the Oreo website is uh their uh, pride month sponsorship for LGBT charities. So I think we may have, if this is a real thing, I think we may have wondered why people decided that Oreos delicious as they are, are evil. Uh, but yeah. um, I, I would put forward that if you combine that along with Cracker Barrel, Bud Light, Chick-fil-A, um, all things that uh, right wing nut bars have been mad at recently for being too woke. Or can we count out that this is not one enterprising young person who's just trying to save their Southern papaw's cholesterol score, like one (laughs) misguided boycott at a time. (laughs) Just like going through his pantry and being like, Oh no, I heard that Lay's supports communism. (laughs) (laughs) Just making Facebook memes to send directly to their elderly relative to try to get them to engage in health related boycotts. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I I really want to see like, you know, like a political attack ad style thing that's talking about how the only food you can trust is Brussels sprouts. You know, yeah. that basically everything else is, you know, is out to eat your children and whatnot. But the the only food that actually respects, you know, traditional American values, broccoli. So Dude, just this, it, this makes you realize that back in the 60s when they started to realize how bad cigarettes are for people, they took the wrong tack. It's like, don't just get the Surgeon General to say, you know, the cigarettes may be bad for you. Call it like a communist, you know, uh, uh, like attack uh, subversion. Yeah. It was like, this was the Cold War. Like, that's right. If, if you had attached this to the communists, then we, we could have saved 400,000 lives a year, probably. Damn straight. You know, you know what you're drawing directly into your lungs? Marxism. <laughs> How's it taste, dad? Ha <laughs> ha! I, I think to use another example from more recent times, if if they had at the rollout of the COVID vaccine, if they had instead of marketing it as oh, all doctors agree and please and double blind studies and Operation Warp Speed, if they had gone with China doesn't want you to have this vaccine, <laughs> I think the most anti-vax people would have been kicking down the door of their local Walgreens to get one. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so like. I think I recall correctly, and I, I truly, I mean, no, no disrespect for the dead. I think the original Marlboro Man passed away a long time ago. I mean, I um, have to assume. Yeah, it, it seems likely for a lot of reasons. Like, the ultimate good and constructive use of generative AI is making the Marlboro Man in Flavor Country the spokesman for the COVID vaccine. Like, he rides up on his horse and just jabs himself in the arm. Dude. Sure. Yeah. Or just just a just an AI video of like like 1986 Magnum PI <laughs> rolls yeah. up in the Ferrari. Yeah, and and Matt will know exactly which Ferrari it is. It's Testarossa, right? I believe it, it is. Is it a Testarossa? Oh, well, excuse me, Matt and Jed know exactly which Ferrari it would be. He rolls up in the Ferrari Testarossa and then jabs the vaccine into his arm. And then mustachioed smiles at the camera, ding, with the teeth. Fantastic. <laughs> Everyone is saved. 
<laughs> a, a note from the uh, Say That Research Department. Apparently, a Magnum PI's Ferrari is a 1985 Ferrari 308 GTS. Oh, no. Wow. 308 GTS. If you were thinking of emailing us, you can not do that now. <laughs> <laughs> would, would we want it? Because I'm, I'm loving the whole Tom Selleck uh, thing we got going here. Would, would we want Higgins to be like the guy that's not sure? <laughs> And Selleck kind of has sure. to, like, you know, give him some tough love to He's bring him over. He's too cowardly to get be. the vaccine. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. I think, again. Well, obviously, also, TC got the vaccine two weeks before Magnum did. Yeah. <laughs> We're absolutely. deep in the 80s lore at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're under 35, then we'll, we'll, we'll say things that you, that you recognize later in the show. Don't worry about it. Um, the thing I'm, from a generative AI standpoint, the thing I'm wondering now is and using that for good in these boycott ways is like, oh, no, we found we found uh, unar- we unearthed footage of Colonel Sanders meeting with Castro in the 70s. Wow. Better better go to a sweet green and get a nice mixed salad. <laughs> Guys, I think we've landed on something and I think it's going to change. I honestly think it might change the future of good loud media. Like, oh yeah! I, I, th- I think like everything from now on out, all all of Jed's campaigns are just going to be like generative AI. How do we get these macho goofballs <laughs> just to do what we want them to do? Yeah, moving forward, Goodbye Media will have exactly two line items on our budget: generative AI and legal fees. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Helping you lie to your grandparents and in pursuant of their health. <laughs> well, I, I think ideally, because we're you have to realize the demographic we're talking about, just like locally targeted Facebook videos, but it's videos of the opposing college football coach talking about how everyone should not get the vaccine. Oh yeah, yeah, that's very good. Because there's very, a very, very clear good. reverse psychology going on here. Yep. Also, and maybe this is uh, more towards the theme of the show. I wonder if there's a way to use this to up church attendance. Okay. Oh, because okay. Uh, okay. a lot of these places they, they, they've tried leaning on. Here's what we have to offer, and it's we see the numbers, but just mm. like you know, whoever you're mad at doesn't want you to come to church. They're trying to stop you. You can't even get here. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Like I understand from my friends who are parents, there's a thing like, especially if it's like kind of a younger male person that you want to do some kind of chore or something they don't want to do like turning it into some kind of competition like time do it for yeah. time or something like i th- I think that would work on a certain population of adult males dude who would be the right wrestling villain to through the miracle of ai cast as the guy that's trying to keep you from going to church i'm almost too nerdy about this because i it <laughs> depends on eras and whatnot but i think a good I, I old fashioned I, I, wish I, I honestly wish i had like a machine that was attached to matt's brain just to see how much activity just happened <laughs> i mean there was some running of eras of like but i think like a good old-fashioned bobby the brain heenan okay Okay. Talking about how you ham and eggers aren't smart enough to get the vaccine. You probably couldn't even <laughs> find your way to the Walgreens if I drew you a map. <laughs> Beautiful. Just pointing to you some huge dude next to him. Look at this. This this fellow right here. This is Rick Rude. He's got an APAC. He's had four vaccines. You can't even get one. You're probably too poor. That's the other thing. I still say if you'd like, if you hear, here, like with the, be the vaccine or something healthy, because people love a, an angle on something. The yeah. idea of it's free and available, that makes people not trust it. If you're like, oh, yeah, we got broccoli. It's normally $8 a pound. Tell you what, meet me out back. I'll give it to you for buck forty a pound. You'd have people <laughs> filling up their Ford F-150s. Absolutely. Absolutely. I got a broccoli guy. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's right. I don't have some kind of chump who plays broccoli retail. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, in, in a rare turn of events for the emergency segment. I, I think we, we put something positive into the world. You're welcome. I think we helped. If you're, uh, if you have a wacky right wing, uh, relatives who are older who don't understand how memes work, you can probably just make up your own one of these and text it to them. Yeah. 
Yeah. But tell them that you saw it on Facebook and it'll work. <laughs> I mean, it's it's worth trying. It certainly can't be worse than the current alternative. So on that note, we will declare a, a very rare, sincere emergency off. And on that note, we will turn to your fine questions. Again, if you hang us all the way, I'll give you some ways you can get in touch with us, or you can scroll down to your episode description and click the links you find there. First question comes in anonymously and says, I've heard some people talking recently about how pride is bad. That got me thinking, is being proud wrong? If so, what is wrong with it? I think this is, it's an interesting question. There's one thing I think we can get out of the way at top. Currently, we're recording this in uh, June of 2023, which if you live in the United States of America is widely recognized as pride month as in LGBTQ plus pride. So that may be why you have heard a little bit of an uptick about how Mm. pride is, is not something that should be celebrated. And we can uh, clear that out real as an argument real quick. And I ask you this, what are the people who are saying that think about the 4th of July or veterans Mm. day? Because if those are cool to be proud of, but this other thing isn't cool to be proud of then pride appears to not be the issue. But I, I wonder if that's where this question comes from, because you will, I, I, a retort you might see to particularly if it's a publicly Christian person saying this misguided thing about pride as a concept is this idea of, well, you got pride in your country and pride in your church and pride in your this, that, and the other. And pride is one of those things that is, it is talked about in the Bible. It is on the list of seven deadly sins, which is a thing that is super not in the Bible. Um, so I think it's an idea where maybe people have a sense of why this could be negative in some ways. And the Bible certainly does mention it, but then there's a broader discussion of just feeling good about yourself going on, being proud of things at the same as pride. I think there's a lot of interesting avenues here and Lee, where we started off. Yeah, I, I was, you know, it's so funny because it's like with the, as you say, the, the, you know, this being pride month, we can obviously just X out the idea that there are just some people who are just going to be against the word simply because they just, they're against gay people. And we are not on that whatsoever. Yep. 100%. We are um, celebratory with our friends and our brothers and sisters who are uh, celebrating pride month. We love you. And we're, and we're here to, hang out and to be a support and to be your friends and to, to, to just however we can, how, however we can be a, a support and a friend. Um, that's where we want to be. Um, but as far as the word itself, when it comes to kind of the Bible and when, when it comes to um, what, you know, what is pride about, it's, it's a tricky subject, I think, because pride is like a lot of things in the sense that it depends on what you do with it. And what I mean by that is, like, like for instance, Christy and I tell our kids that we're proud of them. We're proud of them when they bring home their report card. We're proud of them when they accomplish something that they're doing in a, in a, a sport or in music or theater or something like that. Um, and what can be tricky about that is that sometimes when you tell kids that you're proud of them, that can set up this, um, this other extremity of like, now I have to excel in this or my parents won't be proud of me. Um, you have to be able to balance that with a an expectation of normalcy, which is everything requires growth. There is going to be failure in any pursuit. All of that is totally great. All of that is completely normal. Um, you're going to, you start at a level, you grow in a thing. Sometimes you will accomplish something. Sometimes you won't. Sometimes you will achieve. Sometimes you will sometimes you'll win sometimes you'll lose you have to balance all those things out i literally played football one time with a guy who used to puke before every single game we played wow and when i asked this dude like why are you what's what is going on and he just kind of opened up to me like in in my house there is an expectation that there is no room for failure my dad is proud of me because i'm good at this and so i have to be good at this so there, you have to balance pride with an expectation of normal human behavior. Sometimes you're going to do great. Sometimes you're not going to do so great. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you that you tried. When you accomplish something amazing, you should be proud of yourself. That's really, really cool. Like being able to communicate that um, in, within, the, um, within the balanced architecture of 
not creating an impossible standard that basically, um, you know, riddles the world with anxiety and minefields of I can never fail. That's the kind of thing that parents and friends uh, and, uh, you know, uh, romantic couples, all those kinds of things, being able to express to somebody um, that you're proud of them. I think a word that I would use is uh, celebrating. We should be able to have a really good system of celebrating people in such a way that we don't create the architecture in their mind or in their heart that they can never fail. Now, if we communicate that with, I'm proud of you, that is an important thing because like the thing that I can tell you with having worked with uh, young people, um, high school, middle school, and college kids for the past two decades nonstop is every little boy, every little girl wants to hear their parents say, I'm proud of you. That's basically without exception. I don't, I don't remember an exception in the last two decades. Everybody wants to hear somebody that's important to them, somebody that they love at a certain point say, I saw this and I'm proud of you. That is about celebration. And if we can balance that within, um, you know, within an architecture of, of normalcy and, you know, the good expectations of there's going to be growth and failure and all that stuff, that's super important. Where we get in trouble with pride is when we create this situation where my success includes me looking down on other people or um, stepping over other people or something like that. Like I have to compete and I have to win at someone else's expense. And that kind of pride builds me up over somebody else. If we can hold pride and celebration within, and this is super important, within the context of a community that builds up and celebrates everyone, then I think we're hitting the sweet spot. That stuff is not easy to manage. And with every single person, all that jargon and terminology, you're just going to have to work that out in the context of relationship. Obviously, where Matt started this, within the context of the LGBTQ community, um, we celebrate Pride Month and we are here for you and we love you. Within the, the context of Pride being a sin or Pride being something that's about celebration, we need to work all of that out within the context of relationship and make sure that we live that out in the context of community. A, a beautiful place to start that off. Obviously, Jed and I agree with every word of that. Jed, what would have Absolutely. to add on this idea of uh, pride possibly, uh, in the personal sense, being being a problem versus being something that's totally normal? That's a great question, man. I loved everything that Lee said. Absolutely. So I think one of the things that we have going on here are just English is not a terribly precise language. Um, and it's really easy to be imprecise with your words in English and pride means about 10 different things, depending on the context and the way that people intend it. Some of which are almost antithetical in their meaning, weirdly, um, you know, uh, pride can kind of mean opposite things depending on, on how you mean it. And then we also run into a little bit of a cultural problem. This isn't just true with Christians, but it's super true with Christians is we want sound bites. We want slogans. Um, and a lot of what Lee is describing and I want to echo boils down to needing subtlety and nuance and layers. And we don't want that. We want like a four word sentence that just summarizes it. And I never have to think about it again. Um, but almost nothing in life works that way. So if you go to the dictionary, which is actually a great thing to do, if you look up the word proud, and I've simply Googled proud definition. Here's the first definition that it brings up. Feeling deep pleasure or satisfaction as a result of one's own achievements, qualities, or possessions, or those of someone with, with whom one is closely associated, as in a proud grandma of three boys. I'm going to read that definition again. Feeling deep pleasure or satisfaction as a result of one's own achievements, qualities, or possessions, or those of someone with whom one is closely associated. I want to pause for a second. I want to give you an idea to think about. That is good. Yeah. Everything that was just said in that definition is good and healthy, and you should have it in your life. And I want to pause real quick and say some of us have been so lied to that we're not sure if that stuff is good or not. If you're not sure if that stuff is good, you're in the right place. That stuff is good. I want to encourage you to consider finding someone that you can talk to 
about the stuff that you went through where you're not sure if that definition is morally okay. Because I promise you, that is good stuff that you should have in your life. Those are senses and feelings and experiences that you should have. We want them for you. God wants them for you. And if your gut response is, oh, no, I can't have that, I want to encourage you to really think about that and dig into that. Here's the next thing that goes along with this. Probably the most famous verse in the Bible as it pertains to pride is a verse that says, pride cometh before a fall, which is uh, King James, and that's from Proverbs 16, 18. As we often talk about on this show, it's good to kind of look these uh, passages up and look at, in this case, the the Hebrew that's being used and what what do these words actually uh, mean. And there's two words that are more in modern language are, are more accurately translated arrogance and being haughty. And haughtiness and arrogance are actually very different from this healthy definition of pride. Mm-hmm. And there are things that nobody thinks are a good idea. So what, is, what does arrogant mean? Again, I've just Googled arrogant meaning. Having or revealing an exaggerated sense of one's own importance or abilities. I can tell you from personal experience and close observation, if you walk through life having an exaggerated sense of who you are and what you can do, it's going to bite you on the butt. So the idea that that would come before a fall, accurate, I promise. Now let's look up the word haughty. Haughty is arrogantly superior and disdainful. So basically looking down on other people, looking down on other situations, kind of treating them with contempt. Again, really uncool to treat other people with contempt. And and if you do that, it it will not go well for you in the land. It's the kind of thing that like (laughs) seems seems cool in a movie, not cool in real life. So if we um if i use my patented jet international version translation of proverbs 16:18 it might sound something much more like being arrogant and a show off will get you in trouble as will acting like you're above things ah here's the thing about that no one disagrees with that yep. like i mean somewhere there's somebody that thinks gordon gecko is a hero that wants to tell you no 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 but like in terms of people who are in any way emotionally healthy, like no, no one disagrees with that. And that has nothing to do with feeling a deep sense of satisfaction about things in your life. And in fact, I want to close out by suggesting to you that the Bible says you should have that deep sense of satisfaction. First Timothy 6, 6 says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Feeling a deep sense of satisfaction in your life and who you are is a form of contentment. If you want to be content, You need to feel a deep sense of satisfaction. Those are basically synonymous ideas. You feeling a deep sense of satisfaction in who you are and the person God made you to be and your place in the world is a good thing. We want that for you, man. Don't let anybody take that away from you. Extremely well put. Always good when we get to hear from the Jet International version or the JIV, as we like to refer to around here. Uh, Fantastic stuff from both of you guys. I, I would throw in a couple other Ways that you could think about this in the sense of, yes, there is a level and a type of pride, again, as Jed points out, we're using pretty imprecise language, that can certainly get you uh, in trouble. But we, it is also very possible to overcorrect, and I think Christians performably have a way to do this, of get a little bit too into the I'm the worst sinner and everything. It's all oily rags. And like, to that, I would say, calm down. (laughs) It's fine. If you do a thing that you're proud of, that's cool. And the other place I can uh, run into an issue is, as as Lee put at the beginning, like, if you are in a position to tell another person you are proud of them, you should do that. That's a good yes. thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking personally, as I've become uh, older and in a, in a position where, um, you know, when appropriate, I don't tell my coworkers I'm proud of them. That's creepy. But if it's <laughs> someone who I have have known and they're doing something good and they're I'm trying to is, you know, if you get some gray hair in your beard, as to Lee's point about people want to hear that from father figures, you'd be surprised how far I'm really proud of you really goes with people. Absolutely. Yeah, Not yeah. something to be stingy with, but again, to, to Lee's point, it also does need to be a little bit precise here. It is, it is great when you're, when someone brings home the, the report card to say, Oh, you know, you got an A in this class. I bet that was really hard. We're really proud of you for working hard on that. That's a different thing than, I am proud of you because you get good grades, which certainly implies if you stop getting good grades, things are going to change. 
<laughs> and I think that's an interesting, an easy thing to see externally, but we also do that to ourselves. There's a difference yeah. between saying, you know what, this is a tough situation or this is something I'm growing in. And, you know, I had that conversation or I did that thing or I got that off my to-do list and I'm really proud of myself for that. That's really good, healthy. And he's like, him and a judge pointing out where we can get into some issues in a number of ways. Obviously there's having pride in things like, um, certain identifying marks. I'm proud. I'm from this place or I'm proud of this, which like can be fine. Can also get weird. Um, if someone ever tells me they're, I mean, this is probably a little bit hypocritical because I'm one. If someone's ever told me they're proud to be a Christian, I would be like, I'm going to back away from you slowly. <laughs> I don't know what that means, friend. Um, but even if you say like, I am proud that I am a person who uh, works hard, or I am proud that I, that one that gets us into as Jed saying, that's a comparison thing, obviously, but also there's going to be a day where you're sick or something and you take a nap instead of working hard. That should be fine. If we're building this into our identity where that is the thing that makes me better than I was or better than other people or something, that's an issue. But as these guys, there's a lot of gray area when it comes to something like pride. And what we want to be clear is on two things. One, and I will uh, emphasize it as these guys have, on the LGBT thing, it pride is good. That is fine. You should feel good about that. And as we, we always invite you, if you disagree with us on that, there's a lot of other podcasts to listen to. So <laughs> that's fine. Um, we don't get paid to do this. We're not pretending like that's anything else. So, you know, go enjoy the, I'm sure the gospel coalition has a, a scintillating apologetics hour or something that would be right. Reality, so that's cool. Um, you know, pew, pew, pew. absolutely. Um, but, but also on the, I think the, the distrust of any kind of joy that gets drilled into people in certain church environments. Come on, man. Yeah, like, dude. You got a good grade. That's cool. You say like, hey, you know, I, or whatever, you know, I, 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 I wanted to learn to play this song on guitar and I worked really hard on it and I did it and I, I am proud of myself. That is not devaluing Jesus's work on the cross or whatever. That is not saying <laughs> you, you don't need a savior. That's, I did a thing. I felt good. That that's, that's, that's positive. That's a positive part of the human experience. We want, we think God wants it for, wants that for you as well. So we close out on that. We move on to our next question here, which comes in and says, there was a recent controversy with the Baptists making a proclamation about women not being able to be pastors. Seems wrong to me, but I guess people will say, well, that's what the Bible says. Does the Bible really say that definitively? Yes. If you are not caught up on, caught up on this, first of all, good for you because there's no reason. <laughs> To be um, the Southern Baptist Convention, I recently had a big shindig where they took some time out from hiding their secret list of their pastors who they know are uh, sex offenders. Real thing, real thing, re- real thing. Will not release to the proper authorities, so that's a real thing. But instead of dealing with that, they said, hey, if you have a woman on your staff whose title is pastor, we're going to try to unbaptist you. And for some reason, uh, churches, including Rick Warren's... Uh, whatever his big mega church saddleback. There you go. Um, is they, they don't want to not be Baptist, which I mean, it seems like a branding win to me, but that's, you know, that's why I don't sure. run a church, I guess. Um, but again, <clears throat> so that was, uh, they're put down and as ever, when people are doing these weird things, they'll, I'm sure there's a contingent that will tell you they are merely standing on the truth of scripture, which I point out that other thing we talked about, which seems like we're picking and choosing what we're standing on the truth of there, but Hey, that's, not really for us to say, but that does bring up a, a where where the person lands. Our question asker, I think, is the right one. Of is there anything in the Bible where it is as cut and dry as someone says, "Don't women cannot be pastors?" And uh, Lee, where we kick it off here? Nope. There's not. Thank oh. you. There's not. A um, couple of problems. One, as Matt and Jed and as we're already, you know, exclaiming loudly as Matt opens this topic up. Uh, the Southern Baptists need to stop talking about women, period. Yeah. If you have 705 documented cases of molestation and sexual abuse, and you have covered those up, um, you officially don't get to say any more things to women, about women, regarding women in any way. I would appreciate it if you just didn't say any more things, but yeah, not yeah. about women is a very good place to start with that. If you, if you, if you pretend to be in any way about the message 
and the heart of Jesus Christ, and you have 705 cases of sexual abuse that you have covered up, you need to stop saying things and politely go away. Yep. Number one. Number, uh, so then let's actually go on to this issue that you're asking about. No, uh, the Bible doesn't, uh, doesn't do that. The, the, the trick, the problem here is that um, uh, male humans, for the most part, have uh, done the translating from the original language the Bible was written in into the language uh, of the people in power. And uh, the male humans have had their way with, with that translation. And they've done some tricksy things with that in the terminology of Gollum. Um, they've been tricksy with, with, the, uh, with the translation. I'll give you a couple of examples. One of them is in the 16th chapter of the book of Romans. I won't get too much in the weeds. There's a lot. I mean, if, if, if anybody that's listening to this wants to do some follow-up questions, there's a lot to talk about, including the fact that um, every single mention of the word headship um, in the Greek language, there was never in any literature, in any Greek literature, before the scriptures were written or 200 or 300 years after the scripture was written, there was never a case in any Greek literature where the word head had anything to do with authority, ever, in any way, in any way. It was always like the head of a river something like that, the source of something. It, it had nothing to do with authority whatsoever. Um, that, that's a big one, and that's one that, that, that men have translated into various languages in a way to hold power over the home, over marriages, over, over uh, schools, over education, in, in tons of ways for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. But a real specific example is in the, the, book, of, the, the book of Romans in chapter 16, the Apostle Paul mentions a person who was prominent among the apostles. When, that, when the name he mentions gets translated into the English language, our translators have very often translated the name Junius. But the name is not Junius. It's Junia. Junia is a female name. Uh-huh. They translate uh-huh. it into a male name even though the Apostle Paul clearly in the Greek language said, there is a person who is prominent among the apostles. Her name is Junia. She rocks. I just want to give a shout out to Junia because she rocks. There's a woman called Phoebe who is also mentioned in the book of Romans. And Phoebe was given a title that is basically, she's just the head of the church. There's just no other way around it. She's just the head of a church. And every other place that her title is used, it's someone that is leading in the leadership role of a church. The first person Jesus ever told he was the Messiah, a Samaritan woman who had a mixed up sexual history. So you have someone of a race that people hated, you have someone of a past that people hated, and you had someone of a gender that people did not respect. And that's the first person Jesus ever said, I am the Messiah, go tell people. And she did. The first person who preached the resurrection of Jesus was a woman, Mary of Magdala, who had seven demons cast out of her. And Jesus said, go and tell my brothers, I am risen, just as I said. There were women apostles, there were women prophets. The apostle Paul when he says, when a woman prophesies, she should cover her head. Now, that was a cultural thing. We don't really know what that means. Nobody agrees about it. But he was very clear that in the church, women were praying and prophesying. It was all happening. There were women apostles, women leaders, women missionaries, women preachers, women prophets, women everything. All of that was happening. This, was, this has all been translated and hidden in a way that keeps men in power over women. It's not right. It has nothing to do with the, the message of Jesus. It has nothing to do with the behavior of Jesus. If you simply read the Gospels, you will see that none of it lines up with the behavior or the conversation of Jesus in any way. All of this has been an attempt of men to hold power over women. It's wrong. It has nothing to do with the heart of Jesus. And it's time for it to stop. And by the way, Baptists, you should also should just shut up. And also <laughs> just shut up. Just shut up. Yes, there's a lot of wisdom in that. I especially liked the last part. Yes. Uh, and Jed, what would we have to add to that? Very, very good instruction. 
That's great stuff, man. I, I agree with every bit of it. There's a, a really amazing and really broadly respected in kind of academic circles German theologian named Jürgen Moltmann, um, who's made the comment, this is a quote, without women preachers, we would have no knowledge of the resurrection, um, ah. which, which, which is true. Um, you can you can look at Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, man. It's it's literally there in, in every one of them. Um, and, you know, I, I uh, Lee is right on with everything he said He's right on about Junia. When you look in the Old Testament, you see the same stuff. You have someone like Deborah, who was judge over Israel. Um, she she was the big boss, man. Like, it's one of these deals where um, it is exceptionally hard, uh, to the point of absurdity, to try and, and act like there is a a biblical case that that women can't be pastors. And so, I think that the thing that I really want to encourage you, the person who's listening right now, the thing I want you to listen. To think about is, given that the Bible does not speak definitively and say women cannot be pastors, like given that it's super duper does not say that, why do you think that there is a certain group of people who are pursuing that so mm. strongly? Now, I want to acknowledge, and which is, this is something good to keep in mind in all kinds of contexts. You can't see into other people's hearts and minds. You don't for sure know what they are, are thinking or what they are feeling. So, you know, we're, we're dealing with, you know, guesses and, and suppositions. But we have a thing where um, there is no verse anywhere in the Bible that says in all places at all times, no matter what, no, no takes these backsies, women can't be pastors like that. That, that verse is not in the Bible anywhere. Um, and we have again and again and again and again in the Bible, we have clear examples of, of women in church leadership and women proclaiming the gospel. And as Lee pointed out, women sent out literally by Jesus himself to <laughs> preach a message of literal resurrection. Like that's that's the, the definition of preaching the good news. So why, given all that, why would people be riding so hard on this issue? And at the end of the day, I can give you guesses. I can't tell you that I'm exactly right, but I, I would offer a couple things for you to, to think about. And all of these are going to revolve around exactly what Lee said, which is, man, it's about power. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just straight up about power. Um, there's something really seductive about power where when people have it, they will find a way to not give it up. Yeah. Um, in, in life, I think that there are, are four things at least that have a magnetism to them where once you have them, you will do a lot of things to not part with them. In my view, those things are power, money, prestige, and comfort. And all those things have an interrelated quality. If you if you have one of the first three, you can almost always exchange it one way or another to get all four. But again, in, in my view, power, money, prestige, and comfort. And historically, and this isn't just true in, in religious contexts, this is true in, in all kinds of contexts, when people have a lot of those things, they are willing to fight tooth and nail to make sure that they keep having those things and that other people don't have those things. That might sound to you like something wildly unchristian, like almost cartoonishly antithetical to the spirit of Jesus. You'd be right to think that. And for what it's worth, this is not the first time that Christianity has gone through periods where there were leadership structures in place that... Um, we're almost a comic book villain level of yeah. out of control. Uh, you can look at things like the Borgia Popes and honestly, um, most of the, of the middle ages really. Um, but if you've, you've almost certainly heard the phrase power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. That's as true for people that wear a clerical collar as it is for anybody else. That's as true for people who have the title pastor as it is for anybody else. Right. Um, there is unfortunately an enormous history in humanity, not just in Christianity, but in humanity 
of treating women like either second class citizens or not human beings at all, just just property. If you're not clear on this, and I'm certain that the people listening to this show are clear on this, but just in case, that is wrong. It is immoral. It is wrong in a way that words fail to convey. I am being calm as I'm saying this, but I'm not being calm in terms of how I feel about this. It is impossible to overstate how wrong it is to mistreat and, and degrade and belittle anyone on the basis of their gender. This is full stop wrong. And I think that what we have going on in a lot of people today who, who call themselves the church and call themselves Christianity is um, just complete insanity, man. Um, there is a yep. there is a lust for power that is naked and vulgar and obscene, and there is a a complete abandonment everything that Jesus taught and said and modeled and lived out. Amen. And if I wanted to give you the absolute, like what's the good thing that they're kind of sort of going for the absolute best case that I could give you is an incredibly misguided belief that the mid 1950s in the United States of America was the pinnacle of moral evolution in the history of the world and the pinnacle of Christian stuff in the history of the world. And if we could just get everything back to the way it was in the mid 1950s, we'd really have it all figured out. That's the best case scenario for what's driving this. And which is a bizarre and absurd idea because if you read about the mid 1950s in America, it was really, really, really bad. We are persecuting and hurting people to try and restore something that never existed to begin with. And the parts of it that did exist were incredibly racist and sexist and cruel. Yeah. Very narrow. Very, very narrow. Yeah. The Bible is clear about women being in leadership, that God put them in leadership, that Jesus appointed them to leadership. The people who are telling you that that the Bible is clear, they've got their own agenda that doesn't have anything to do with Jesus, and it's okay for you to call that out. I I, I want to drop in something at the at the end of this as well. Just uh, and you know, just as a pastor, as somebody who's done the work of a pastor for twenty years. Um, there's a couple of things that are very strange to me. One, the idea that that pastoring is synonymous with power is just a weird thing anyway. And and that may be a strange thing. In, in my experience, I've always been one of the pastors at a very small uh, neighborhood kind of church. Um, so there's <laughs> the idea of there being power is very weird. It, you know, mainly it's like, uh, it's, it's like, which, which, uh, garbage man has the most power. You just wind <laughs> up taking out people's garbage, you know? And, and what I want to speak to is the actual work of what a pastor is supposed to be. And this is an important part of the conversation because if we are saying that there's an entire gender who is, uh, biblically removed from an, a certain office in the church, well, we need to look at what that office does. Because a gigantic piece of my job as a pastor is spending time with people and listening to the difficulties, pains, and problems of their life and helping them walk through those things, yeah. keeping the, the, you know, the, the, the heart of God in mind, the, this, the, the tenets of the scriptures in mind and stuff like that. It would be inappropriate for me to think that I am the best qualified person to walk <laughs> certain women of our congregation through their issues and problems. I'm not a woman. I've never been a woman. I've never been pregnant. I've never been a mother. I've never been a grandmother. I've never been anyone's sister. Do you understand what I'm saying? I cannot speak from these vantage points. I am unqualified to shepherd an entire half of our congregation through the problems and difficulties of their life experience. 
We need women pastors because the work of a pastor is to walk with human beings through the difficulties and problems and questions of their life from the perspective of what does God want me to do and what does God have for me? We need female pastors because the guys don't know what it feels like to be a woman. (laughs) So it just from the perspective of what is the job, what is the role, what is appropriate for a pastor to do, we need women pastors to fulfill what 1 Corinthians 12 says about what is the body of Christ in the first place. Absolutely right. And I'm I'm glad you brought up uh, 1 Corinthians there, Lee, because I think the the, uh, clobber verse, as Jed has recently, uh, a bit of idiom that Jed has recently introduced to on the show, uh, for a lot of the people who would say the other way is this, is we also find in 1 Corinthians 14, 34, women should remain silent in the churches. They're not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husband at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. So here's a couple of things about that. One, um, this goes in my big file of, I recognize that sentence is in the Bible. I don't care. Sure. And here's the thing about that. We all have those files. Yep. Uh, the Southern yeah. Baptists definitely have those files because yeah, they, sure they were do. founded as pro-slavery and are currently covering up sex crimes. So, you know. I, don't, I won't be judged on that front by them, but we all have that. And also this is Paul speaking to a specific church in Corinth at a specific time. He opens it up by talking about, let's see if the other parts of these people's church sounds like what Paul's describing here. Go Two or three on. prophets should speak and others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirit of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all congregations of the Lord's people. To the point that both these guys have very well made about power, I don't think any of these people who don't want women to be preachers are saying, but we do want to make sure that our instruction time is egalitarian, everyone has a chance to speak, and that everyone's voice and opinion on the matters is heard. (laughs) Uh, The other thing about that is nobody in any of these mainline denominational churches anyway, is not allowing women to speak in the church. So they're not following this verse. They picked it out. They want to use it to make it mean something else, but they're not really going to, well, women are not allowed to speak. And here's why they're not doing that. Cause we're not that crazy. Cause that would mean less people would come to their church and less money would come in. That's what they're doing there. Now there's, if I were to run a church and Lord knows let's not curse any of us with that. Um, I would also not follow this for different reasons, though. I would not say I would not try to be, as they say, half a gangster about it and say, well, here's this verse that says this thing. Uh, So we're going to do this other thing where women aren't allowed on the mic and only I am. And I'm immediately cutting off half the people in this room who might be better at this job than I am, but they can't have it because Bible anyway. So um, I want to go back to the the way the our question asker phrases, because I think it's important. They said, you know, that seems wrong to me, but I guess some people will say, well, that's what the Bible says. Here's the thing. I, I, again, I know this is weird for a guy who's a Christian podcast to say, that's what the Bible says is not an argument in my world. Yeah. If you can explain it, break it down, point it out, give me some, give me some research, give me some verses as we do on this show and tell me why this jives with the heart of Christ as I've experienced in this world for some 20 something years. Okay. But Hmm. If they, we get these things, just the common sense things these guys are saying, if you had, didn't really know much about church. You've been going for a year. You would have picked up. Jesus was kind to women. He listened to women. Women preached about the resurrection. There were women as part of the first century church. They get these shout outs. And somebody said, yeah, but yeah, no, because Bible. And no, that's, that does not have to be a definitive argument in your world. You can still say this doesn't smell right to me and it should not. So a lot of great stuff there. Two excellent questions. We're going to close this episode with the rarely executed bonus emergency. Whoa. Whoa. That's right. We have talked on this show before around the Super Bowl, I believe it was. It would have been back in January, February about a massive advertising campaign that was hashtag. He gets us with weird kind of semi inspirational uh, Jesus. phrases. They spent like close to a literal billion dollars. I think on this uh, weird advertising campaign. Yep. Uh. So they're back and they've gone to a a kind of site specific thing. It has been spotted in the, uh, if you're familiar with watching baseball games, 
you will know that like there's the prime advertising spot is right behind home plate because that's where the shot is going to be uh, before the pitch and all that. So they have bought a bunch of these around uh, major league stadiums in the States that say Jesus believed in his teammates too. Ah, hey. which is weird, vague, not really true. And also as someone on Twitter points out, if you were to take that quite literally, that might come off as an anti-teamwork message. <laughs> also, like baseball players, this is this is inside, but like baseball players just get traded left and right to other cities, like at the drop of a hat, and just get on a plane and put on a New Jersey. I don't know if any of them care that much. What team? Yeah. On. If anything, um, the, the story of Judas most shows the modern yes. sports landscape because. Get paid, move on. <laughs> Which, but that, know, go ahead, Jed. I, I have a way we might be able to make this work, right? Because, like, as I'm, I'm looking at the picture here, and I, I think the following is probably a part of a different message, but it's, it's, it's right there. The text is there. I'm reading Taco Tuesdays. Jesus believed in his teammates too. And you know what? If you want to show your love for the people in your life through celebrating Taco Tuesdays, I think that's great. Jesus, to the best of our knowledge, lived before tacos had been invented, but I believe that if Jesus had walked the earth in a time that was post-taco, I think he would have celebrated Taco Tuesday. And if that's the message of this advertisement, is that he gets us and that he gets our love of Taco Tuesday, I agree. Okay, now, if we could now go, like, picture a world where John chapter 6 and the feeding of the 5,000 was multiplying tacos. I am here. I am ready for for thousands of people. And he's empowering his team, his 12 guys to distribute said tacos to the masses. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yes. I don't know what it says about me. I took that a different way because I was thinking a kind of counterpoint. If you celebrate Taco Tuesday in a way that you need people to believe in you, (laughs) that could be an issue. Like we were talking earlier, and it's true, it's important to be proud of your accomplishments, it's important to be proud of people in your life's accomplishments, but if you have a have designs on Taco Tuesday that you need your community to stand and support, then you may need to rethink several things about Dude, okay. where you're going about life. Immediately, all I thought about, Matt, was like, I just thought of like... uh Sean of the Dead and just the Nick Frost character being like, I think I could eat 20 tacos on Taco Tuesday. Yeah. 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 And just yeah. like, okay, I'm going to believe in you, pal. And then that guy just slamming, you know, 18 tacos, almost making it. Yeah. <laughs> and then it looks around and notes of his 12 friends that one of them has slunk off. And that's when he just kind of loses his resolve. Yes. Well, you know, I think, look, this is a safe place and, you know, I'm with my friends and, you know, I need them in this moment to believe in me because I'm, I'm about to share a dream that I have that's Taco Tuesday connected. So, and I'm hoping that there can be exhortation and, and fellowship here. So, uh, Taco Bell is owned by a conglomerate called Yum Brands. Indeed it is. Yum Brands also owns KFC. And sometimes, some places, you can find a combo KFC Taco Bell. Clarksville, Tennessee. Here's what I I need in my life. I need a Taco Tuesday where I get my bowl of KFC gravy and I I get my tacos. And I I bring those two together (laughs) because you know what? I'm a pioneer. I believe in possibilities that other people haven't even imagined yet, right? I'm trying to make this world better, y'all. I believe in tacos and gravy coming together in one glorious moment. And right now, I need I need my teammates to believe in me. This is what I'm saying. Jed, for your own good. <laughs> for I the just, good of your soul. And it's not that we don't support you. I just want to point out, I don't think anything in the meal you just described could legally be categorized as food. <laughs> that, there's a there's a beautiful verse. At the end of John chapter two of a, about boundaries, where it says of the Lord Jesus, he did not entrust himself to all men because he knew what was in men. 
<laughs> and I just feel like at this moment, maybe Jesus wouldn't believe in Team Jed because he knew that what was in Jed was KFC gravy and that Taco Bell meat sauce. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but a man can dream. Indeed he does. Indeed he does. Well, yeah, I think that's that is as close to the sun as we can fly on this particular episode. <laughs> that a bit of design. So we're gonna we're gonna call it there. If you have a question for us, say that podcast and gmail.com, the bridge slash ask. Taylor, the song this week, this we we heard from Lee was recently I'm gonna say requested, but I believe Lee was heckled by a youth for ah! not playing this particular song or Triple Z Worship Service. So That's true. This is a song Jed wrote called The One. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Get it, Sabbath. Yeah, you're the